As the motor racing podcast industry undergoes a once-in-a-hundred-years period of great transformation, Motorsport 101 has decided to strive for never improving. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey gang, welcome to episode 270 of Motorsport 101. See, I corrected myself on the fly because when I wrote the set list, I put 260. Way to go, Dre. <laughs> that, that's that impromptu hosted right there. You couldn't even be nice. No, we had that already. We we've, can have it again. We've already done that. <laughs> this is also we, we can call it 269.69. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, nice addition. Why not? We're really mature on this show. We st- we we broke out jokes about a certain number. Forty five seconds in, <laughs> that's gonna be a record for us. <laughs> Way to go, everybody! Uh, welcome to episode two seventy minutes. But one on, I'm your host Dre Harrison, and welcome back. Just good to see you. Good to see you. With me, as always, RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Hi. If you watched or listened to the last episode, you'll be glad to know that my beloved baseball team is still in it as of time of recording. And going to kick the crap out of the Miami Marlins. It's a good time. It's great. Uh, what are we talking about today, Dre? Um, we are talking about, well, the big one being Honda quitting F1. Um, that is, yeah, as, as, as you do. Um, minor story. Uh, so much so we made a new story in a main event, which doesn't happen very often on this show, but here we are. We'll get into that, and we'll get into IndyCar's, uh, Shall we say, uh, fun uh, Harvest Grand Prix weekend, the uh, apple cider, as Cam would call it, of uh, racing weekends, because he insists on that being his favorite autumnal it's flavor. It's the superior <laughs> fall flavor. I'm willing to throw down on this. Look, we've He's already the- agreed that one of the races was the Pumpkin Spice Grand Prix, and the other was going to be the Apple Cider Grand Prix. It's a fair swap. It's a fair swap. Oh, and King's Playoff Beard is back here, too. How's it going, buddy? Yep, Yankees still in the playoffs. Uh, Yankees still in the playoffs. Let's not talk about other sports. <laughs> you know it's bad. You know it's bad when circumstances are such that you know if Sam Darnold was actually getting mononucleosis again, it would be somehow not the worst case scenario. Well, I was say, I think how these things turn out. Again, I think that would be healthier for him than his offensive line right now. Oh, yeah. both both options are equally painful and are best off avoided. Um, but yes, we'll, we'll be the main two subjects will be obviously on the quit in F one and IndyCar's Harvest Grand Prix. We got some bonus stuff we could talk about depending on recording length as well. But we'll get we'll, we'll leave that for a, for a little while. Uh, it's fun though. It's a surprise. Trust me. Let, Ooh, let's, you don't let's, know what it let's is. Let's just say. Let, oh. let, let's just say a certain. Old segment from our, our our previous episodes might be making a comeback this weekend. Oh, is it keeping it one on one? I want to talk why. about I want to talk about Everton's form in the Prem this year. I mean, uh, mm, they, they're rolling. Mm. Less said about Manchester United, the better. Ooh. Uh, oh dear. More on that later. But in the meantime, <laughs> let's, let's go to the places you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com, of course, forward slash motorsport101. If you're watching us on there, hi, nice to see you. Why not subscribe and hit the bell to, to uh, find out when we're next going live or when we're next have episodes due out? That's, that, that's always fun. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter and motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at CBuckley917, or at 
Black King's playoff beard. Um, <laughs> <Ryan> Eric King. <laughs> I think I had the better name personally, but um, it, oh, yeah. it is we're also on Instagram at Motorsport One Hundred One Pod P O D, like the early two thousands band we've seemed to have forgotten about in recent years. So we're on all the major social media platforms. You should give us a follow. I can't wait for us to be on Snapchat this time next year. It's going to be great. Um, oh, God, <laughs> no, all the cool we, kids we, are getting in on Weibo. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we might we might have a private WhatsApp group at this race. You know, that, no, I think that's also all the. I think the next place we should expand is Quibi. <laughs> no, 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 bad investment, bad. It no. is, it is clear to see, based on the financial times we are in, Woo! the place to go is a private Instagram account. I, I know, I know. <laughs> Motorsport 101, soon to be on OnlyFans. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Private, <clears throat> private Instagram, different than OnlyFans, because we still have to adhere to the terms and conditions of Instagram. Should I go ahead and the take point, my pants off? <laughs> no nips allowed. But uh, if that sounds appealing to you, in the meantime, you can back us financially on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Five dollars gets you early access to all the audio editions of our shows, including King and the Dario Franchi t-shirt in the wet. Ten dollars gets gets you the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded, and includes RJ in an Atlanta United shirt and nothing else. Um, <laughs> It's what it's what the people want to see. Quite frankly, I don't know if they want to see this Atlanta United team in 2020 with no Joseph, <laughs> no Miguel, uh, interim coach because Frank DeBoer was not very good. Still plenty of ball control though. But <laughs> without further ado, <laughs> let's get into the main event of the episode and talk about Honda leaving Formula One. <laughs> October 2nd, 2020, Honda to conclude participation in the Formula One World Championship at the end of the 2021 season. In 2015, Honda resumed competition in F1, the most prestigious automobile racing series in the world with the goal to win using its own energy management technologies. Initially, Honda experienced a number of difficulties. However, by demonstrating the collective strength of all Honda, including the utilization of its aircraft engine technologies, Honda has realized a high level of competitiveness. In the meantime, as the automobile industry undergoes a once in a hundred years period of great transformation, Honda has decided to strive for the realization of carbon neutrality by 2050. This goal will be pursued as part of Honda's environmental initiatives, which is one of the top priorities of Honda as a mobility manufacturer. Towards this end, Honda needs to funnel its corporate resources and research and development into the areas of future power unit and energy technologies, building fuel cell vehicle and battery EV technologies, which will be the core of carbon-free technologies. Towards this end, Honda made the decision to conclude its participation in Formula One. Bombshell! Yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but Friday, October 2nd was a weird day, considering uh, it that... It will go down in infamy. <laughs> considering that most people woke up to the news that the President of the United States had tested mm. positive for COVID-19. Oh, yeah, that whole chestnut. <laughs> and can I say, uh, worst is probably still yet to come for a 74-year-old man in terrible shape 
who decides to eat his well-done steak with ketchup and orders mm. multiple filet of fish and Big Macs on his same McDonald's order. This well, is all the, well known. Th- this this man eats pizza with a fork. Oh. Can I just say, can, and uh, per, uh, PSA, if you are ever in a position of power, please show the same level of empathy and compassion that you would unto others as you would hope they would show unto you. Correct. Also, oh my god, Honda quit F1. Oh like, my like, god, like, Honda quit. Oh yeah, like, this honestly, was, it's uh... like It says oh a lot about god. the state of my timeline when I actually saw the Honda news first before Donald Trump getting the Roma. I thought that was hilarious, personally. Um, I woke up to I woke up to the notification that Honda was quitting. Uh, yeah, this was a bombshell. I, like, I literally tweeted like, like, hey, morning guys, how are we going? Whoa, Nelly! Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> just like, yeah. whoa. Um, this was a genuine shock um, to like everybody except Cranky Yankee on Twitter who apparently called it back in January the frigging clairvoyance. Um, some, somehow. He, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty he, sure he didn't think that a fucking alpha was going to get a race win. We ain't, talking al- we ain't talking Alpha Romeo. Indeed, I mean, but I I do find it amazing that as Formula One goes into hybrids and has had now what seven years of the hybrid era, it's like now Honda wants to pull the trigger on trying to be carbon neutral by twenty fifty when they're you already see. in the sport that's trying to do the same. I find it interesting that that's a that that's going now, Camp. Go on, go on. Well, the thing is, Honda. When Honda say we we aim to be carbon neutral, it's all well and good. Yeah, but like people need to remember that Honda has left F1 multiple times. This is not right. the first time, second time, or even the third time. No, this is the fourth time they've done it. First yeah. time, 68, massive guilt over one of their drivers dying in a Well, the thing is, it's not just that. In 1968, they also left motorcycle racing. They left yeah. all top flight motorsport. They quit again in 1992. They quit again in 2008 during the last global economic crisis that we know of. Here's the thing. Honda Honda has always treated Formula One as an engineering challenge. Yeah. And when they feel that they have achieved all they can achieve with their current budget, which up to this point has been a bottomless pit to try and get out of the hole that they were in, at the end of uh, at the end of 2017, now Honda has been winning races, mm-hmm. yeah. and you could argue that they're the stronger side of the equation when Red Bull is just getting beat upside the head by Mercedes on the chassis side. I don't side doubt of that at all. And you consider, well, we're spending all this money, and we are winning races, but what do we have to do to overtake Mercedes? If we're already dumping in, effectively, an endless budget. When, as they say in their press release, there's a big transition coming for cars as a whole. Those mines and that money, in Honda's eyes, are used better elsewhere. And and we'll we'll get into it later, but they recommitted to another series that also uses twin turbocharged... er, turbocharged v6s with hybrid systems yeah but that's a drop in the bucket compared to f1 yeah. financially yeah. big old drop in the bucket it makes me sad because 
I remember when Honda came back into F1 and we all kind of laughed at them. I was like, oh my god, they're getting back into Formula 1. They're like three years behind all the other major players in the... Uh, they were the laughing stock of the motorsport world. Yeah, for three like years. the their announcement press release at the at the launch of this being a thing was that Alonzo Button was gonna be the new Prosenna. Oh, you got you got the that. dream team back together. You got Pross and Senna. You remember what McLaren Honda did? Was it? Was, it was ha- that was like, hashtag that was two decades ago. Hashtag make history, and they did make history as McLaren's worst season. Yeah. <sighs> and and yet, and yet, despite all of that, and despite the struggles, and despite the laughter, and the mockery, and the GP2 engine references that this team had to go through, they, they are... They clawed it back. I... They clawed it back. They produced a competitive engine. We saw the famous moment when Pierre Gasly was able to hold off Hamilton in a drag race to the line on maximum power last yeah. year. That was cute. And they are the only power supplier in Formula One that has won multiple races with multiple teams. And that is quite the accomplishment. And It really is. And when you consider, just look at the... Look at the comparison between where Ferrari was in 2017 mm. and Honda was in 2017. It's like their positions are flipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, pretty much. You know, again, Honda has poured so much into this. They reference it in their their press release, the the all Honda strategy. They were dumping aerospace mines into this. Their best automotive mines to try and make this program work. Some of those dudes probably made Osimo. Yeah. <laughs> Unironically. Uh, okay. and th- this is Honda who have been pouring everything they are as an engineering company into this. Mm-hmm. And with all that money and all those resources and those minds behind it, well, they can't really do much when Mercedes is just slapping the field. On every yeah. front. Christian Horner said it after the last round. Mercedes has produced their most complete car of the era. This, the, it, it, the, it, thinking back on reflection and looking back at it now, we've had like the better part of a week to digest this announcement. It always just seemed to me, like looking back on it now, that, and Cam alluded to this, it's just the fact that Mercs are stronger than they have ever been. They like maybe not so much in terms of win count. We'll know more by the end of the season. But They've returned. Just the... Their gap to the field has blown back out to where it was in mm. 2015, 2016. And they have the second best car in the field underneath them with Red Bull. Clearly, right now, the number two car in the field. Uh, Alpha Tari is generally. And they've won a Grand Prix of Alpha Tari, and that's a hell of a bonus price to have. But. If you're throwing like nine digits a year at this project, knowing you have no chance of improving realistically upon the juggernaut of the brand, like, yeah, against the juggernaut of the brand that has gone and probably will go seven years undefeated in a row in Formula One, and let's be honest, not even really challenged for most of those seven years. Like, we had two years of a legitimate challenge. Yeah. Like, what's it's the conceivable point? that Mercedes might go perfect on this set of engine regulations. 
And that's right. crazy to think because we won't see new engine regulations until the 2026 season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's no, and... it's not a, a crazy statement to say Mercedes could clean house every year until the new engine regs. Uh, and yeah, it's not exactly an optimistic outlook for the future of sport when it comes to new entities coming in. We talked about it earlier in the month. We talked about how there's going to be a, a, that $200 million entry fee that's now been chucked in there. And now we now know that the engine regulations are going to go largely unchanged for the next half decade. Like, why would new- anybody want... like well, Unless somebody sold up at a discount rate, why would anyone want to get into the sport right now? Hmm? Yeah, well, that that part wasn't new. I I think the idea was, hey, maybe we with the twenty twenty two regulation changes, we get new manufacturers in, and they can help us decide what the next set of engine regulations are. But about I, that, yeah, you <laughs> see, they had one right in the palm of their hand, and then they were indecisive with what they wanted the new engine regs to be, and in fact. All four of the current engine manufacturers said, no, we don't want to change engine regulations. And those guys over in uh, Vysok said, well, I guess we'll just throw this engine under a cover. So it, it goes back to, it's very similar to what happened, what was going to happen with LMP1 before Porsche pulled out. And we had a draft of the new LMP1 regulations that were going to succeed LMP1H. And they mm-hmm. were manufacturer-driven, and they were they were just too expensive. And Bit of a running they, can with, with modern F1, isn't it, really? It's almost yeah. a bit too expensive. <laughs> yeah, they've, they catered to the manufacturers by keeping the current engine regulations, and then one of those manufacturers just bailed. Yeah. And now we're sloppy enough to get into bail. Yeah, dude, this this is wild. So, what do you think happens from here? Because there's been a bunch of speculation already about the potential of this Honda Power Unit program being flipped to somebody else, being Red Bull, being at another team, uh, another company that's based in Milton Keynes, the UK division of Mugen Power, but not the old. Welcome back to Jordan Mugen Honda. Yeah, it's, it's not the same company. Yeah. Um, and there's also one other interesting angle. Um, King. Hey, um, so quick question. Um, no. is If Red Bull doesn't find an alternative supplier, uh, what happens? Well, it's, it's a caveat in, in the agreements that the teams have to be in Formula 1 that should there be a situation where a team can't get access to a power unit the the power unit manufacturer with the least amount of customers is legally obligated to sell that team a power unit oh Oh, king um king who who might that be at this current moment and going into uh 2022 hit him with it considering that they have one customer now and will have zero customers Customers. next year it will be renault <laughs> oh God! Hate sex. Who Good is ready? Deck. Who is ready it's, for Red Bull Mitsubishi? It's oh, it's it's oh no no no! Long it is bad. The alliance. <laughs> it's yes. it's like 
it's it's like moving back in with that awkward ex girlfriend. You like no one's here for this. I literally got. I, well, I, I literally went the viral between this. The best part about it is Christian Horner is already be like, well, Renault's changed as a company since we broke up. <laughs> Things might go different this time. I'm not. I'm not going to say what season it is while it's getting cold. Brown nose. <laughs> Brown nose in in the middle of coffin season. Christian ba- Horner, right ba- here, ba- baby, like, you up. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah. like, honey. It's like, like I, I literally went semi viral for a meme on the other day when I literally just put a, 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 put a picture of Cyril whispering in Horner's ear, and I put the quote, "Look at me, look at me. I'm the captain yo, now." <laughs> yo, Cyril, yo, Cyril, you up? <laughs> Look, there's there's realistically four possibilities, and three of them are not very realistic. One is that Red Bull could leave. They just signed the contract to stay, so nah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all in the Concord so, agreement. So. Technically, Red Bull could leave, but they would just have to sell the team to someone else. And it would oh, wouldn't they incur a fine as well? No, they could sell the team to someone else. <laughs> okay. Fair. If they, if, they, if they straight up, who's, they straight but up, nobody's buying. Nobody's yeah. buying an F one team right now. Oh, you no. would be surprised about that one. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If, if they if they could get it at a cheap enough discount, because because the, the thing is, uh, due to the price, the new incurred price of starting a, a Formula One team from scratch is actually a lot more attractive to buy a current team than to start a new one. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you fair. One, one, you don't pay the two hundred million pound fine, and two, Red Bull doesn't have to pay the fine for breaking the Concord Agreement early, which is, I think, is a hundred million euros. You have to year. remember, though, they have to <laughs> sell two teams. Yeah, they have to sell, even though they're currently two interested buyers. Uh, mm. That's the possibility. Oh. That's possibility number one. Not very likely. Two, no. what RJ alluded to. Honda has said that if someone is willing to buy up the operation, they will sell their engine department and the work that they've done. Yeah, they'll sell the intellectual property. Who's ready for Red Bull Cola power units? Because the power units with the real taste of cola. Because, like... And cocaine. Like, (laughs) after buying the IP, there's so much attached cost. You'd have to literally set up an engine program from scratch... With you need all the engineers. You'd have the materials and the shop, and that's and about it. I highly doubt that all those Honda F1 engineers are getting fired by Honda. And no, I, they're not. And they I highly doubt said they're not. And I highly doubt they would want to leave Honda for a Red Bull engine program that you don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah. If you're a Honda Ooh. company man, you're staying with Honda because you know Honda's going to be around for a long time. Right. Honda Eternal. Possibility so, three. Hey, um, is it Por- Porsche Engineering on the line? Um, you still got that engine in your basement? Happening. That's not happening. There's no way that's happening. It's been suggested there that engine's been sitting in the basement for about three years. You would need to fund <laughs> no. an entire program, put an MGUH on it because it doesn't have one. That was those right. were the proposed new engine regulations. And uh, Porsche would have to be willing to do that, and they're probably just going to drop the thing in their next road car. Yeah, and history is. And if you put it in an F one car, it's going to be severely off the pace. Yeah, it's going to need three years worth of development, at least. And possibility for Red Bull Renault. 
Red Bull Renault, babe, I'm sorry. Can you please take me back? Can you please take me back? It's that's that's what's going to happen. And Renault has no choice in the matter. Renault literally has no choice. They are and at a discount as well. Red Bull would be given a discount on this. Yeah, it'll be a customer price. (laughs) Oh my god. Could you imagine? It's, it's that it's that literal scene from Drive to Survive se- Series 1 where Abinable walks up to Horner and goes, he needs a driver and an engine. <laughs> I'm just thinking of somebody Ford- I'm just thinking of somebody in Ferrari though just being like, well hey, we never said we wanted to supply Red Bull with engines. Red Bull's just like, I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> Honestly, Ferrari might be best off just selling the whole team to Red Bull. We might be able to run it better, which is terrifying. <laughs> Wait, this is how, how we get Toro Rosso back on the grid with Alfa Tori. It's the Italian dream team. We merge Minardi and Ferrari. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I know which side of that equation is more competently run. Damn right. Uh, uh, yeah. So who's ready for Red Bull checks notes? Um, Tagoyer? Roof? Uh, uh, Nissan? Alpine? We're already getting that. Look, we're, uh, look, so Hot is pulling out of F1. They're going to recommit to IndyCar because those regulations are cheaper. Uh, that'll be through the end of the decade. They're not leaving the domestic automobile racing scene. They're not they leaving are, motorcycles. Uh, they are, um, uh, they're recommitting. They've effectively committed to LMDH as well. Yeah. Also twin turbocharged V6s, also hybrids. Yeah. Mm. It's a start. It was and also. It's at the end of the day, it all comes down to the money. Yeah, this is uh, this is not worth the investment that Honda are putting into it. And TLDR, they'd rather dump all that infinite amount of money into like making future. car future proofing cars with yep. renewable technology, or hell, even Osimo two. Awesome. If Osimo's so good, why isn't there an Osimo two? Good question. Also, questions need to be asked about the state of some of their backed young drivers because there's a big elephant yeah. in the room here regarding the Formula Two Championship. Yeah, and a Yuki lot of people, no. a so, lot of people, as a small Japanese son, Yuki Tsunoda, who is Honda backed and is in title contention in Formula Two right now and needs a top four finish in the championship to get a super license for next year. Which, if he does, he's a good contender. To get in the second AlphaTauri seat alongside yeah. Pierre Gasly, most likely next year. Yeah, yeah, we should clarify: Honda isn't bailing immediately. They're bailing at the end of 2021. We have right. one more year. Right, and Which if is- Sonoda gets through the door this year, then he's already cleared that barrier to entry. And one thing that I did find out is that Yuki Sonoda is not just a Honda contracted driver; he is a Red Bull athlete. So, even though I, it should be noted, like, the term Red Bull athlete is so generic and vague, it can mean anything. Like, Connor, yeah, like Connor saying, Daly is a Red Bull athlete. That's fair. Yeah, like, <laughs> what we need is to have a Red Bull rich energy <laughs> tie-up. No, no, rich energy, right there. Rich no, energy livery, stop. Red Bull athlete. It's the ultimate combo. Can we ban him from the podcast, please? What is this bullshit? No, I don't <laughs> I'm less worried about Yuki Tsunoda than I am guys like Ren Sato and Ayumu Lasa who've just come over to Europe from Japan 
they're dominating French Formula 4, and that's effectively their legs cut out from underneath them. Uh, so now they have to face a decision whether or not to go independent or to just come back home knowing that they have security as Honda-backed drivers. Uh, Super GT has always got seats available. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's that element to it. Uh, that's that's going to be a tough decision. Uh, but, yeah. I'm just pulling out at the end of next season. Uh, don't know how to feel about it other than sad. It's, Devastating. It's a shame. Look, the more manufacturers, more support in F1 is objectively a good thing. It helps break up the political powers in F1. And with the vast majority of the grid being Mercedes and Ferrari powered, they have a lot of sway. Right. Indeed. I, I sincerely hope uh, that things balance out soon, but... Uh... It's it's another blow for Formula One in a, in a hybrid era that's already that's already drawn enough criticism as it is for many on and off track related reasons. There is no nice way of spinning up losing the second best engine supplier in the field right now. Um, well, that and, I also would say. I mean, when people say, "Well, why these regulations are are stupid? Why are why are we trying to make F one green?" Well, keep in mind. Honda said they never would have come back without these engine regulations anyways. Yeah. Right. They are yeah. they're a double-edged sword. And in keeping them for as long as they have, F1 is now kind of behind the ball on technology like they were at the end of 2013 right. compared yeah. to other series, other cheaper series. Right. Mm. Even though, so, like, the way Formula 1 was originally planned to be, uh, back in the 50s is that the regulations were supposed to always change. Like, every five years, the regulations were supposed to be thrown out and come up with new ones. So so it'd always be at the forefront of automotive technology. Yeah, and at the... And yet, and it, we're going to have 13 years of these hybrids at least before we get another major change. Yeah. And they're 13. both... Simultaneously, they're the most advanced internal combustion engines on Earth. Nothing has thermal efficiency like these. Right. And yet, their hybrid systems are pretty heavily kneecapped. Yeah, they're heavily a lot of restricted. Being, a, a lot of being fast in F1 is abusing those restrictions. Yeah, because right. they limit how much electric power you could regenerate over a course of a single lap. They also restrict how much power you could deploy over a single lap. Like, partially, that's okay if you do one or the other, but when you do both at the same time, it's heavily restricted, and it's not really worth pumping all that money into when there's a set limit on how much efficiency you could get out of it. Yeah, and you compare right. it to, you know, it blew up in everyone's face, but in LMP1, the hybrid systems were making gigantic leaps every year. That's right. And I really, kept saying all the time, you know, hey... LMP1 Hybrid is producing all this great racing at a fraction of the cost. What's F1's excuse for not embracing this? Well, it wasn't at a fraction of the cost, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, but big, big, when you big have price tag. When you have the exposure of F1, you have to question, if you're going to keep it relevant enough to keep manufacturers in it, you have to open that up. Or constantly uh, change the rules. Or constantly change the rules. Because now it's almost like it was at the end of the V8 era where, you know, Kurz is hybrid. 
but it's not <laughs> only in air quotes. Now these are hybrid compared to other racing series, but at a gigantic cost for not a lot of return. Whereas yeah. you can just go Ugh. into FE and develop the motors and have it be a drop in the bucket by comparison. Right. Yeah. Formula right. E is embracing this. They've got to find a way to press forward and not go back into the Stone Age as everybody would want. But they have to do it in a manner that makes sense financially. Yeah. If they, they that is balance. even at all possible. The problem is finding the balance between the financials, the just the financials just dumping money into the sport. Right. The financials of the teams being able to survive it and being relevant enough for manufacturers and company to be interested enough to join. Yeah. yeah. It's always going to be a tough balance. Because that's one of the biggest, I wouldn't say issues with Formula One, is that Formula One inherently needs manufacturers, not only for like, like development, for development reasons, but... A lot of Formula One's marketing is based off of the manufacturers marketing Formula One. Uh, yeah. Without that, Formula One is gonna quickly fall into being a very niche sport. Right? It's already, it's already niche enough. As if it isn't <laughs> niche enough as it is, you know? Like, jeez. Because yeah. there is no, there is no scope for improvement in the state of participation right now, and there won't be any time soon. So yeah, because no. yeah. without the manufacturers, there's no difference between like Formula One and yacht racing. Yeah, it, it, mm. it, we're not living in the era where you could just go buy a Cosworth DFV, plug in a Hewlin gearbox, get your drivers, and if you do a decent job on the chassis, you're probably gonna win the championship. Oh. Yeah, because I think there is a very niche place for formula where there's 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 an avenue for formula one to continue on forward if they really push down this hybrid lane that that's the future for formula one being the hybrid world championship as it stands right now it's just kind of it's only a portion of the way there yeah yeah a lot more work will be needed especially now we are down to free suppliers again should we get into IndyCar, boys? Yeah. Yes. So is race... I think race one was the Apple Cider Grand Prix? Or yes. was it the Pumpkin I, Spice I prefer, Grand Prix? I, I prefer the Pumpkin Spice because I wasn't here for race one, actually. So I'll let I wasn't here either. Dre, what happened? Well, what happened? Well, Venus, v, Venus VK got his first... Renus VK. <laughs> Big Renus energy. Yes. Spin moves for days. Renus VK's first P1 award. He started from the pole. Um, and, well, it lasted all of about 10 seconds as Colton Herter took the whole shot into turn one going around the outside of him. But it was a tremendous early scrap with the pole sitter. Renus coming down on top, hanging it around the outside of the back straight to retake the lead. For, meanwhile, further back, everyone's favorite American, Santino Ferrucci, <laughs> spins uh, out Ryan Hunter uh, out of contention. <laughs> Um, after the former refused to back out and use the grass on the outside of turn one to rejoin. Way to go, Santucci. Um, Colton and Renus got into another heated exchange on lap 20. Renus going round the outside of turn two to defend his position, but her to hit him with the reverse dummy to the inside, under breaking for turn six to retake the lead. By the way, spectacular pass. If you have not seen it, go out of your way that to is... find it. it that's oh. going. That's going in the nominations this year. 
Oh god, yes. That was a that was the a perfectly executed dummy. It was wonderfully done. Um, meanwhile, creeping on the lead is, was Joseph Newgarden, and after some sustained pressure for the lead, Colton Herter cooked his tires and ran wide at turn one, gifting Joseph the lead. After the final round of stops, he proceeded to beat him down on the opposition and win comfortably. Alex Rossi pulled off a stunning late move for second oh, on Colton Herter. Stop Herter. it, you! Stop it, you! <laughs> Oh, get out. Get out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marco Andretti had a late retirement due to his engine catching fire, as you do. Um, and in a mistake that pretty much summed up his Friday after missing out on a best qualifying run, Scott Dixon dropped from 7th to 9th with a rare breaking error into turn 6, which was about as good as... Like, it was about as bad a weekend as Dixon's had all year, really, um, which still says a lot about the state of Dixon month. this season. He's had a bad oh, month and yet and yet not dropped out of the top ten at any race. That 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 like that is a bad weekend for Scott Dixon at this point. And the the note I put in in the notes here I said was this was about as good a race as you could get for a race that was one hundred percent on the green flag running. Because normally the Hall of Fame level races have some form of major shenanigans, whether it be rain, a a a, a well timed uh, caution or whatever, or some sort of spectacular incident. This race didn't have that, but the racing was just immense. I'm like, Renus VK and Colton Herter. My goodness, what a fight those two had. That was tremendous racing. Like, my word. Should go back like, and see that. Oh, like, I, I wish I wish we had more time to go into it even further. But, like, again, if you haven't seen the highlights, please go out of your way to do so. Because... Like, Herter and, and VK beat the crap out of each other with racing cars, and they made it stick. I said it on Twitter at the time. If the future of the series is guys like like VK and Herter, the sport's in very, very secure hands going forward. I agree 100%. And... Um, like, because yeah. that that was that was clean and hard, but fair. Not an inch of contact. That is as good as wheel to wheel racing gets, as far as wheel to wheel racing with respect. God, you rare yes. these days. Race two. No one. Death, taxes, willpower on the pole for the 61st time. Oh, yeah, go ahead and watch race one. So willpower's on pole in race two, and he took the lead and pretty much stayed there while the others jostled for position behind him. The only man staying with the Aussie was Colton Herta. Remember that. It becomes important later. Further back, Joseph Newgarden was making good progress up the field, eventually finishing fourth while Scott Ditson made another error, making contact around the outside of Ryan hunter Ray. the latter coming over the curb and in the side of him. Clunky, he ended up finishing eighth. The final laps had Will Power being gunned down at the end by Colton Herta. He huffed any puff, but he just couldn't get close enough to force a pass, and Will Power took a dominant victory, leading every one of the 75 laps en route to tie Al Lunser Sr. for fifth on the all-time IndyCar wins list. Ooh. So, Dre, how's Historic. this championship looking? Now, for those guys that aren't in the know, there is only one round left in the championship. The series finishes off at St. Petersburg. Uh, in, I, I want to say in two weeks' time. I think it's two weeks' time for the series finale. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, or as alluded to, Dixon was a bit slippery. So um, ninth and eighth for him in, in, um, in the end of this, these two races. And well, he's opened the door just a hint... For Joseph his, Newgarden, uh, maybe. Just his, a His nudge. championship lead has gone from insurmountable to very healthy. 
So you're saying there's a chance. Ditson. Pretty much. I'm saying if, if there is divine intervention that cannot Lightning be... Bolt. If there's divine intervention that cannot be stopped by Emma Dixon with a chainsaw, mm-hmm. there is a chance. <laughs> see, here's the thing, because Dixon, if he finishes eighth or better at St. Pete, it's not a double points race. If he finishes eighth or better, which is what he's done, which is what he did in that second race. If he finishes eighth, he's clinched it, even if Newgarden wins from the pole and leads the most laps and gets all the possible bonuses. Yeah, they New tied to needs, the standings. Um, he needs the greatest weekend tied. of his career. Yeah, if they needs. tied atop the standings, uh, both drivers would have four victories on the season, but Ditson would win the tiebreaker by virtue of his two second places compared to one for Joseph Newgarden. Suddenly, it's a lot more interesting than this was about maybe a month or two ago. And look, I know I'm big, big, maybe big boy Joseph Newgarden fan here. I'm just oh, glad really? that Joseph made it close. <laughs> yeah, but the thing Even is if he falls up that short, ba- I'm not going to begrudge Jensen. Based on his recent run of form, it's looking like it's going to be real difficult for Scott Dixon to finish eighth or better. Yeah, I was really thinking after Indy that Dixon would just get his revenge by putting this title away early. And instead, this is the worst he's looked all year. Yeah. <laughs> And it's by, and it's by a mile, which is I, kind of it's kind of easy to look that way when hit the the best he looked all year was winning everything, every yeah. race. You win three races yeah. in a row to start the year. You have four wins in total. I mean, he only has he's finished every race, and he only has four finishes outside the top eight. Yeah, indeed. Not, but this is the you know he'll be ruining right now. He's ruining the fact that he didn't win Indy. Not just because he didn't win Indy, but because that would have that would have put it away early. Mid Ohio should have been his bank around to put it away, and he left the door open there when he didn't win either one of those races, or even get was, on the podium or inside the top. I was five. gonna say Mid Ohio is Dixonland, and that was up to this point his worst run of the year. Can we can we get, can we get his name off 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 like the uh, landlord ownership now after like a, a, a good handful of years of relatively mediocre finishes by his standards? Now it, now it can be uh now it can be Ricky Taylor land after the most recent imps around. Indeed, three um, wins in a row. Indeed, um, yeah, they like for, for, to to tie up the eyes and um to, to uh, dot the eyes and cross the t's basically. They're the only two men that are eligible to win the title. I don't think Colton Herter can get there. No, he actually got 101 points behind. So it's only Dixon or Newgarden. Dixon has 502 points. Joseph Newgarden has 470. I just think um, it, like, it's a 500-point season with yep. this few rounds. It's crazy. That's yes, and, and, and there'll be one less double pointer by the time we're all said and done yeah. as well. It's the equivalent of taking another race off the board. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy, to say the least. Um, to wrap up some of the other positions, Colton Hurts are thir- now up to third in the championship. He's, an, he's, a, he's on a real hot run of form at the moment. Uh, uh, he's third now on 401. Will Powers win in race two? Puts him up to fourth on a 388. Pado, don't be too disillusioned. It's still like a really, really good season if you finish fifth at 376. Yeah. Uh, Graham Rahal, sixth on 354. Uh, Takuma on 3.28, Simon Pagano on 3.11. Man, where has he been the second half of the year? I love um, you could say, where has he been, and he's eighth in the championship. <laughs> yeah, By uh, Simon's being, standards, being that's poor. Well, <laughs> uh, being mired in 20th-ish in the 500 
didn't do him any did, favors. Did him in badly, really bad. He, he'd be a yeah. comfortable four with a decent five hundred. Um, Alex Rossi, well, you know, he's starting to dig himself out of the hole with a uh, four straight podium finishes the last four races. He's it got helps. another. He's got another mile to the surface. <laughs> He'll he'll just drive angry and give himself two hundred points in the final round. Um, why not? Oh my God. He's ninth on three hundred five, and King Felix in tenth on two ninety four. As RJ alluded to, Dixon must finish eight four better in St. Pete to clinch his sixth Astor Cup. Uh, that will guarantee it. That's the easiest permutation on the maths. A top eight finish guarantees it for Scott Dixon. Now I know that. Dixon's in this conversation. If Joseph comes back and wins title number three, is he in the uh, the discussion that often involves certain barnyard animals? Uh, I think it's oh no. the, the pig. No, because he don't got a five hundred. Yeah, need at least one. You need one. You need at least you one. Need one. We need every, one. I dig. There's a reason why Dixon said he'd trade every title for more 500s. He's he's building a case though. I, I feel like the 500s coming, but three national titles would be you a see, good place to start in a span of four years. The problem is that the the we say the 500 is coming every year, and then he's just kind of okay at Indy. Yeah. he's great he's not, everywhere else. Like, he's phenomenal. He's not. Re- I was going to say the Cut Your King there, but he's not really been a contender at Indy for the last three or four years, Joseph. Well, he's never really had a car where you think, bang, he's got a real shot of winning this one. Well, we thought he's it on- in 2019, and then, as it turns out, Simon was using him to save fuel and suck the pain off him on the way by. And the thing is, you... you- need a 500 win to even be considered. Like, the fact that Michael Andretti is fourth on the all-time wins list, and no, no one, one... puts him up there. Yeah, no one has Michael Andretti on, like, greatest of all-time conversation. Well, that's, a, like... No. It, Mario would be, like, undisputedly the greatest of all time if he had more than one 500. Yeah. But that leaves... It, it leaves the door open. I th- one, New Garden get- certainly uh, has no. the skill to win 500s. He has the skill to win anywhere. He but has he three just... top ten. He has three top five finishes and eight five top ten finishes in this race. Michael but Andretti the has is. the most laps led at this race. But that's the thing, RJ. <laughs> at Penske in the 500, and this year really wasn't good enough at the 500. But top fives at the 500, when you've been there for years, it just ain't good enough. I'm not. I'm not stressed about it. I. 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 Sorry. Sorry to Take play. A- sorry to play mediocre white man playing devil's advocate on a podcast. <laughs> oh, never. That never happens. No. <laughs> so yeah, now I, I want mean, to talk about the IndyCar schedule. Oof. The schedule. It exists. Twenty twenty one. Yes. So the IndyCar series confirmed its twenty twenty one schedule this past week, and among the changes, including the confirmation of the Music City Grand Prix in the streets of Nashville, Tennessee. We have Texas Motor Speedway becoming a doubleheader and moving to the start of the month of May before Indianapolis. Uh, And the second trip to the Grand Prix course in Indy is still on the calendar, but it's moving to the summer months in August as part of a doubleheader with NASCAR's Brickyard 400. But we've lost Circuit of the Americas, and we've lost Iowa Speedway and Richmond Raceway. Richmond before it ever even had a chance to return. 
Uh, yeah. And that's had a lot of people concerned because Richmond and Iowa will now join Pocono, Phoenix, Auto Club, the Milwaukee Mile as oval races that we've had on the calendar in recent years. Nobody comes to them, the races are poorly promoted, and then they're dropped from the calendar. And in the case of Iowa Speedway, which isn't even on the NASCAR docket right now, that could mean the end of that track's entire lifespan after just 15 years. For once, I can say this. I'm kind of disappointed Chris isn't here, because Chris was furious about the schedule. Yeah. Mm. racing. Chris is... was mad as hell. Oval racing is, it's barely there anymore in IndyCar. Yeah, this is basically cart. This is like, just trade. This is cart. Just trade. It's champ car. Yeah. back in champ car, folks. This is just cart. Just change what Phoenix was in the early 90s to Gateway, and it's cart. Yeah, and oh, oh, they actually got the 500 back. It's going to live this time. It's it's frustrating because the whole, Mm. it's the duality of IndyCar, isn't it? It's. Having to have d- different disciplines, different techniques at different types of tracks. Absolutely. That was my draw to watching this sport in the late 90s when I was a child, is that yeah. they could race on ovals like they do in NASCAR, but they also turn left and right, and that's pretty awesome. And hey, if you are named after the most the most famous super speedway in the world then you are at least entitled to go run on at least one or two or three or four or even more oval courses. The only difference between this and Champ Car is like, Champ Car in the the Malaise era, the mid-2000s, didn't have a good relationship with anybody but the people that ran the Milwaukee Mile, it seemed. Yeah, Yeah. and it's this, we have the 500 here. And we said it before. We have Texas that's grandfathered in the calendar. And Gateway's the only track on the calendar that's been able to buck the trend, put asses in seats, and have a fun and entertaining race that people want to come to. Yeah, Yeah. and And Texas stunk. The biggest issue is that, like, IndyCar, for, you know, the centuries that it's existed, like, this schedule is the schedule for the 100th season of the National Championship. How's that as a fuck, <laughs> how's that as a fuck you to the heritage of your sport? <laughs> but the thing oh, is, God. IndyCar's heritage is, we race what at wherever is popular at the moment. And, like, street racing is always going to be that thing. Because, uh, number one, you can't, you can't like tear down a street track streets are just gonna be there but the thing is once you stop going to ovals and ovals get torn down you can't rebuild the ovals when people want to see oval racing again no and as it's i mean the nascar schedule also came out that's very spicy yeah and that's losing tracks they're almost tripling the amount of road courses that they usually have They're going to dump a truckload, several truckloads of dirt into Bristol Motor Speedway to give us the first dirt race since the Grand National era. Yeah. But they're also cutting two modern super speedways that don't have a future just like Iowa does. Yeah. Like with with the recent returns of Portland and Laguna Seca, clearly the fad in American motorsport at the moment is permanent road courses. People want to. Which is a good fad to have. Yeah. People want to see. Good old school tracks, uh, which is probably why we don't see Circuit of the Americas coming back. Even though Circuit of the Americas, for all the shit that it gets, produced a couple of very, very good IndyCar races. It did. They were and, unlucky. And the, fr- they did. the thing that's more, the thing that's more frustrating because look, 
more road courses is still a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Road courses are good. But it's the fact that the the duality of in of American open wheel racing, where it is the the multi pronged expertise that thrives, that's an aspect that is going away. That's I think the biggest issue is that for the most part, there are so many racing venues of that caliber in the U.S. that no single series can support them, especially when you have multiple venues in the same market, like. In Milwaukee, we have both Road America and the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, yeah. Southern California, there's a multitude of different racing venues you can go to. Go wherever like, you want. Like, at one point in time, IndyCar raced there twice a year at both Long Beach and Auto Club Speedway. Like, Bring back Ontario. <laughs> there's so many venues that someone's going to be left in the lurch, and... It's it sucks when it's a permanent venue that could close and go away forever. Yeah, right. And look at Absolutely. now, Pocono is trying to thrive off of a NASCAR doubleheader. Yeah, at a yeah. when NASCAR is famously awful at Pocono. Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, a shame. Cause yeah, cause pretty much racing has moved past a lot of these venues to the point where they need to renovate, update like reformat to make them more suitable for current racing machines the issue is that a lot of these venues don't have the capital to make these large-scale investments we could get into it next week because i don't know if we're gonna have enough time to get into this but can i just say how fucked it is that brazil's gonna knock down a bunch of rainforests to go replace interlagos because Baby daddy bitch Bolsonaro wants a home track, <laughs> and yet we're out here just dismantling a bunch of good ovals. Yeah. Yeah. To replace fucking Interlagos, which is great every year. We'll get into that next Fuck week. you for Though, doing that. Ugh. We do have some good IndyCar news. Yeah. Good IndyCar news. The return of Indy Lights for 2021, which will include not one, not two, but three Drivers getting scholarships for the full season, and they're going to modify the Delara IL-15 to add the titanium halo. As far as the scholarship drivers, they are Kyle Kirkwood, who we knew was going to race this season until it was canceled. We had Stingray Rob, that is his real name. He steps up from the uh, Indy Pro (laughs) 2000 series. And a third scholarship is going to the Formula Regional America's Championship winner, King, uh, and that is Linus, not Tech Tips Lundquist, uh, who has won 12 of the first 14 races this season and is pretty much a stone-cold pad yeah. lock lock. I, I would I, just love it if they could draw a good field. Yeah, Please, like, that's all I ask. Like, those three drivers going to be real fun to watch. It's, it's like, the seats make sense because Kirkwood had a scholarship seat for this season, couldn't use it. Uh, the Indy Pro 2000 scholarship was given as default. Uh, but the last one... Uh, Formal Regional America's getting a scholarship. Like, I wonder if that's only a temporary basis because there was no Indy Lights this year, or if it's permanent and the road to Indy just got one lane, one lane wider. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> oh, but I think like oh, if they damn. if they continue to do that, it'll consistently ensure that Indy Lights is going to you know be. A lot larger than the less than 10 cars we're used to. Yeah, Andy Lights yeah. in the last couple of years famously had a lot of problems putting 
any kind of feel together. And the irony is that those drivers at the top, we were just talking about Renus VK and Colton Herta. They came out of that destitute and barren Indy Light series. And well, because because yeah. there may not be any quantity, but there was a whole lot of quality in the last graduate class. Yeah, and it, it's seeming like, uh, you know, Indy Lights is going to be the primary avenue for drivers coming in the IndyCar. It, it doesn't seem like a lot of people going into F2 nowadays want to come to IndyCar. Or I, I think, uh, you know, Alex Palo coming over from Super Formula might have been like a real one-off deal. We might not get a large hey. number of drivers yeah. coming from Super hey. Formula. Y- Yuki, Honda's leaving F1. <laughs> want to come over? You know, that's not a bad idea. I'd love to see that. Mm. Speaking too. of bad ideas, Ray, um, what's next on the set list? Oh. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, oh. You know, it's never a good sign when karting, which we never cover on Motorsport 1, is on the set list. Oh, buddy, it's time. It's time Let's for the return. Fire up the theme. It's a Fight th- Club! I wasn't. I didn't remember uh, we had a theme for Fight Club. Uh, Dre, <laughs> set the scene for us. Um, ugh, we are going to the finals of the FIA KZ World Karting Championship at Lodato, Italy. Um, there was a collision uh, between 2012 champion uh, Luca Corberi and Paolo Ippolito. Poor apologies for butchering, butchering the accents there. Now, in the aftermath of this incident, um, Luca stood on the side of the track, stalked, stalked the, stalked the scene, waited um, for Ippolito to pass him before throwing the bumper of his broken cart at him. Now, um, uh, which wa- watching the video of that incident, uh, was 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 Ippolito actually the one that was hit? Because it seemed like he threw I it at a cart. So. <laughs> Two carts go by, and the bumper finally makes it into the racing line. It's like it's the third guy. It's like, I don't think that was the intended target somehow. Um, fa- I, I, I don't think it was a particularly good throw. I don't think it's one that Clayton Kershaw would be proud of. Let's put it that way. Um, Got to keep it topical. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I don't think it was the intended target, funnily enough. And that was wild enough as it was. And also, shout out to my former boss, Jake Sanson, on commentary for that race, by the way. I was like, oh, I've uh, never heard Sanson lose his vibe like that before. Oh my, the commentary <laughs> team had a fucking blue screen while this was going on. Yo, Trust my, me. my favorite compromi- contribution was from Tom Brooks. Uh, who, tw- oh, who yeah. just God. tweeted, that's made him look bad. No. But, <laughs> but, but I love when, when, when Colberry picks up his bumper and he's standing on the side of the track, like, Jake's holding out hope. He's like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe like, acting like maybe he'll put it down and just walk away. And then when he throws it, no. Jake's like, oh, my God. No. Look, honestly, no. I, I say I say this in the nicest way possible. Jake is the most sincere, gentle man in the world, if you know him well. For him to go mad over this says a lot about how apocalyptically stupid this was. But wait, it gets worse. Whoa, um, how does it possibly get worse? After the race, Fight amateur club. footage captured Corberry and his father, who, by the way, owns the track, may I add here. It's an important bit of context. His dad owns the circuit. 
They literally double team the kid trying to fight Ippolito in the no, paddock itself. No. So, so the way this plays out, first, uh, Colberry the Younger confronts Ippolito. They like Colberry, it, I, 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 I say, <laughs> I say confront. He literally charges at him. And dives. Well, that and does, is a form of conf- that is a form of confrontation. <laughs> dives and does. And no, a spear by reigns. And does and a like spear by reigns. Pretty much the cleanest American football dive tackle I've seen in a long time. Oh. Hands up, <laughs> right <laughs> in the chest. <laughs> and he starts Perfect wrap around. And he starts going the town on him. Obviously, people <laughs> rush him immediately, pull him apart. Then Colberry the Elder rushes in in a black hood. <laughs> and oh god, in. that's Marco Colorberry coming out of the crowd! <laughs> oh my god! Colberry the Elder, what a nickname that is! <laughs> that's like something out of Game of Thrones! Oh my and, god! <laughs> he immediately starts wailing on the kid. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, what? That's, that's the one thing important to point out. Uh, Paolo Ippolito is a young Carter. Luca Corberry's 23. Actually, a winner of this race was a Yeah, a winner of this race was a 33-year-old professional carter by the name of Jeremy Iglesias. Who, by the way, deserves much more plaudits for this. And let's see. Oh, yes. According to Driver Database, Paolo Ippolito. Oh, his age is not listed here. Oh man. But he he, he can't be that young because Ippolito has been carting since 2008. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. That's what fair. I'm saying is that Luke, but the, the the big point is that Luke is an adult. He's not a child. Yeah, uh, they're both think? they're both grown adults here. So what is the aftermath? Well, Luca Corberry posted on social media that he vows never to race again. That post was then deleted and then put back up. The FIA is conducting oh, their okay. own investigation of the incident, and the ACI. The Italian uh, sporting body that sanctioned yes. carding has recommended the lifetime banishment of Luca, Marco Corberry, and the entire Lenato circuit with which they race. Yes. The Automobile Club Italia want them gone. <laughs> double G, oh double gosh. O, double N, double E. But, you know, I kind of grow cynical because... We, we said at the time, this is going to end his career. And how many times have we said that about other young men behaving like idiots? Oh, never. Never but, happens. But the thing yes. is that carding doesn't get talked about often. Yeah, this fuck. made international news. It literally brought... This the, was front page news. It brought the... It made TMZ. It brought the sport into disrepute. Like, if this happens in any sport for any reason... You bring your sport into disrepute, you're getting a lifetime ban. Or it's oh, NASCAR yeah. and they're going to put it in commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about we to gotta say, sell like, next year's. We got to sell next year's championship. Let's this go. Fight, <laughs> this fight just looks like a typical Saturday night in Bowman Gray Stadium. I mean, uh, oh but that's God. me being raised on American <laughs> yeah. oval racing, where fighting is much more commonplace. Yeah, here it's not as much. Yeah, in NASCAR, bringing your sport into disrepute is not fighting; it's attempting to start a union. <laughs> Shout out for Hey, Curtis Turner got Bill Francine back at the end of it, and that's all that matters. Outstanding. Ten points to oh. King. It's a good to segue because um because we can, that is we a can perfect make time segue. for NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, oh absolutely. my god. Um 
It Yellow was Dago 500 week. at Talladega. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm, I'm, I'll be back in an hour. Okay, so the cut and dry, we have another race that takes three overtimes to decide. Um, at the finish, Denny Hamlin passes below the double yellow line. What is the double yellow line, King? Uh, uh, it is basically NASCAR's equivalence to out of bounds. You can't, you can't right. go below it. It's been on the books since Dale Sr. passed away. Um... And Hamlin, they say he was trying to avoid a wreck, and that's well, why he was not penalized for going below the double yellow line and gets to keep his victory. <sighs> oh my god. Nobody buys so this. nobody buys this because there is uh, a couple rules around the double yellow line rule. Primarily, if you are forced down there by another car, someone doors you down there, there's not really much choice that you have but to go down there. Well, throughout the race, NASCAR was penalizing drivers, primary, primarily uh, Joey Logano, right, for dooring people down there, right, whether intentionally mm. or unintentionally, and that's where this is important. For the last, I don't even know how many years, it's getting close to so two we're decades, now in twenty years of the double yellow line, nearly rule, twenty this years, has never been enforced consistently. This has never been enforced consistently because it is entirely at NASCAR's discretion. And NASCAR has always viewed it as a black and white issue. If you go down there, I don't give a shit why. If you advance your position, you're getting a penalty. Which is really not the, the right way to rule this. But they have. Carl Edwards was famously hosed in 2006 for going down below the yellow line, actually avoiding actual crashing cars. Carl Edwards was once famously sent into the catch fence in 2009 because Brad Keselowski realized, Keselowski. what if I don't have to back out? What if I don't have to dip below the yellow line? What if I just hold my line and if I start a wreck, well... Well, so well fuck him. Well, that's... It's yeah. so fucking frustrating because... I was already having a terrible time watching Bubba Wallace get punted in the wall. Not once, but twice! While leading. <laughs> While leading. Bubba Wallace led a race. Yeah, but what had happened in this situation, Denny Hamlin goes below the yellow line, overtakes two cars, and by the time he comes back... For the back, lead. Yeah, for the lead. By the time he comes back, uh, he's alongside the leaders. Yeah, the four yeah. cars up in front of him, Matt Benedetto, Chris Buescher, uh, William Byron, Eric Jones, all look like they're about to stack up in a wreck. Denny Hamlin dives down to the inside and passes all of them. They don't actually wreck. Yeah. Yeah. And Somehow. It makes sense. In the context, if you watch the incident, it makes sense why Hamlin went down there. He wasn't necessarily doored down there, but he went down there to avoid a crash that looked like it was going to happen. He went down there in turn four. If you know how steep the banking is at these tracks, you know, you can't just go back up onto the banking. You will crash yourself. 33 degrees. 33 degrees of banking. Hamlin was right to not just dip, to not just come back up onto the track. But the point is he was already, they were already out of the corner by the time he starts coming back up on track. And he has a mile of room. Yeah. Like... He, he deliberately stayed down longer than he should have, kept his foot in it, which is fair, but he... It's illegal. Yeah, he deliberately spent far too much time down there to gain an advantage. Mm. Yeah, and 
in the context of this, you would think, okay, they ruled it right. He was avoiding an accident. He stayed down there. But that NASCAR has never viewed that as an excuse. For almost 20 years now, NASCAR has viewed it black and white, no interpretation. If you're down there of your own volition and you pass cars, it's illegal. Though Why the now? Double, the, this they rule just... is not going to survive this season the way it's written. Yeah, I know they said they have no plans to change it. Uh, but, I don't but think that's the the, the real gut punch in this situation were was the other cars other drivers around Hamlin who got penalized. Yeah, another driver. Uh, yeah. Let's see, Matt DiBenedetto, Matt DiBenedetto Chase Elliott was penalized. Until Chase Elliott was penalized, and then his penalty was retracted and given to which, someone else for forcing and given to someone else. <laughs> William Byron was also, I believe, he was also penalized. Yes, he was the driver who was penalized for forcing Chase Elliott off. No, it was Chris Busher. Oh, Busher. Okay. <laughs> yeah it it was the fact that in at the time it happened. Hamlin had done something that someone else in the same cluster was penalized for, but he wasn't, and he won the race. Now, NASCAR rescinded that penalty, but get it right the first time. And why are you changing your interpretation of the rule after it's been stonewall for 19 years? Like, I think they they really didn't want to strip Hamlin of the win. They oh, really? It's almost like the problem of, of an appeals process after three overtimes. And, oh, three and overtimes, by the way, and yet they, they did RJ. Kicked, they kicked but, the finish off of off of network television because yeah, of RJ, football. They did because Chase Elliott's team had to issue issue a formal appeal against the results because of how they were penalized. Yeah, like there was a legitimate situation where the driver who would have won the race crossed the line third. It's not it's not acceptable. And NASCAR either has to they have to clarify if this rule is open for interpretation from this point mm. forward. Because it's always been Stonewall. And oh boy, it's almost like Denny Hamlin is one of your two primary championship contenders, and right now, as a result of the Bubba news, one of the most high profile names in the sport. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, well, like Bubba could have win, but his future car owner did. I guess. And it's almost a what? bit like, uh, man, in 2003, Dale Jr. kind of sort of fell on this rule and wasn't mm. penalized, even though he was kind of doored down there, but really wasn't. And they didn't penalize him because, well, Talladega would have been burned to the ground. Right. Figure out how you're going to fucking rule this in the future because every couple of years we have a problem like this and we've had drivers who've lost wins here being doored down below the yellow line and still being penalized. Hi, Regan Smith. Sorry, Regan Smith. (sighs) My rant's over. My rant's over. I'm done. I'm going to go. I'm going to go have a cigarette. (laughs) Uh, is, is that is that it? Are we gonna call it? I, I think, Anything else? Think, um, sports I car think. racing. Sports car racing happened. The Nurburgring yeah. was wet and BMW won. Indy yeah. was wet and BMW won. There's only two LMP ones for the final round of the WEC season. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah! Normally we talk normally we talk about much brighter topics on this show. But it's, this show's been a bit miserable outside of IndyCar, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. IndyCar's never talk spot. about a, we never talk about anything positive on the podcast. Well, maybe when 2020 gives us something positive to talk about. Hold that thought because you know the uh, the third or fourth or fifth wave of COVID symptoms, those are usually the worst. Always oh. reassuring as Gotta always on the long game. Gotta play the long game. Other good news. We met we alluded to it earlier. IndyCar ratified the new engine regs. Chevy and Honda are committed for the foreseeable future. Which is good. That is good. Yay. See, we can end on a positive note. Yeah. Kind of. Places you can find us one. <laughs> Super GT was pretty good. Go watch yeah. more Super mm. GT. It's great. Always a plus. Um, yeah, as you do. It's, 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 Is that the team? Oh, man. it's the Calsonic shirt. Let's That's go. Right. That's right. Uh, right. YouTube.com forward slash motorsport 101. <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101. Instagram.com at motorsport 101. Pod Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Personal handles down there on the screen at Harrison 101 HD. Ryan Eric King, RJ O'Connell, C Buckley 917. Patreon.com. Forward slash motorsport 101. Did I get it all? Yes. Pretty much. Pretty much. You got it all. Uh, I guess I guess I've got to say goodbye now, haven't I? Um, we'll be back next week for Formula One back at the Nürburgring. That should be fun, right? Yeah. Hey, we, hey. Love the, we love the Grand Prix tracker here. Lads, lads. 40% chance of rain on Sunday. It's going to happen after the race. Is yeah, that, that, that's a it. 60% chance of it not raining. <laughs> No. All I'm gonna say is if we get the same po I don't know how we're gonna get the same podium finishers as last time, but man, if it's a Vettel, Raikkonen, Grosjean podium, goddamn. That could be fun. Until then, we'll be back from the Eiffel Grand Prix. Until then, sayonara, folks. Take care. Later, y'all. Why? Yuki Tsunoda to the Honda Super Cub Cup. <laughs>